The joy of seeing your son marry the love of his life, there's nothing quite like it. It is not just Sam transitioning into a woman or sending up the transitioning that disgusted me, but, I mean, his total disrespect to people who are in so much pain who might suffer from issues of identity. Rich American kids and their parents making illegal payments to get their kids into college. What do you think I feel? (laughs) Look, it's just... And the Desperate Housewives actor Felicity Huffman talk about desperate. The three or four weeks leading into the AFL season, when you don't have a Wayne Carey scandal or a Ben Cousins scandal, some media people used to refer to it as Death Valley because there's just no stories. How dare these trucks... How dare you drive so close to my bumper bar so that your metal grill on the front of your truck not only blocks out my view, blocks out the sunshine, Caro. I'm demented. Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Welcome to Don't Shoot the Messenger. This is episode 76. I'm Corey Perkin and here again with my friend and wedding dance floor buddy, Caroline Wilson. We're a bit late this week, Caro. We are very late this week, Corrie. <laughs> Four because days, three days. I, I, we both lost our voices after the wonderful nuptials of your beautiful son, Will, and his bride, Lib. My voice came back by Wednesday, and I've been at AFL season launches all week, and it's a bit croaky again, so I apologise. Too much, too much singing, too much dancing. Uh, in my case, I was a Shadoop Wop girl at the recovery, if you recall me behind the band, singing mm. with I was Jen, Mother of the Bride. I yeah, you were our mosh pit. <laughs> um, Caro, really good news. We are delighted to welcome back to our show the wonderful sponsor, The Interchange Bench. Hello, all the gang at Interchange Bench, and thanks for coming on for another quarter of Don't Shoot the Messenger. So to all our potties, if you or someone you know needs first-class temporary or contract talent, you're crazy if you don't call the Interchange Bench. They can assist with any professional-level role in any industry or sector. And you'll find links in the show notes to the Interchange Bench, or you can jump on their website, interchangebench.com.au. Caro, we're covering a lot of turf today. So many big stories have broken since we last met. I did want to say uh, thank you to Anna from the Op Shop and your daughter, Rose, for filling in for me last week. I caught part of the podcast. I don't know why it didn't completely download in the country but the first part I heard was wonderful. Well Sue Starling liked it too. She's written to us and said hello good afternoon potty leaders. Leaders. Today's episode was <laughs> sensational, moving, poignant, hilarious, all in a short time. Love the chats, Rose and Anna and their stories. She says it made a quick morning of house stuff and ironing before yoga. <laughs> oh, Wouldn't that be not, a nice day? That would be a, my perfect per- day well, at the moment. not necessarily listening to you and I talk. Not the perfect day for me because we talk she loved, all the time. But the yoga bit I'm very happy with. She loved the film reviews. We've got a couple of sort of TV, Netflixy, Amazony things today. But um, there's some really good movies coming up, Corrie. Uh, well, I'm very excited because I think we have a bit of a diary date next week to go and see a movie. If this podcast sounds a bit odd today, everyone, it's because we have taken over Croc Media's boardroom today because it has the most perfect view of Melbourne CBD to the north and, well, we can't really see the Grand Prix track from here, but to our 
west, Caro, over there somewhere is that very noisy thing we call the Grand Prix. So we just thought we would be in here today rather than the studio because we can. Lots of not things. because we love the Grand Prix, by no, the way. No, not because we love Sorry. it. Sorry. Uh, lo- lots of things. As you said, you're kidnapping uh, book, screen and food this week. And I'm grumpy, which is almost impossible after the beautiful week that I've had. And we're going to do a very quick where do we stand? Where do we stand, question mark, on a number of issues from George Pell to Theresa May's leadership to whether the AFL should introduce a Twilight Grand Final? Caro, any apologies? No, um, but there is some, on a more serious note, feedback from another one of our listeners, Carolyn. She's troubled, in fact upset, by comments we made last week regarding George Pell's conviction. She was concerned about um, the line that we took about celibacy, it it being a a case for celibacy being a massive issue. what did, I, I didn't hear that. Before. Well, what the did you Durr response that followed suggested this was obvious, but it's not to me. Now, we made the point, I think we all sort of agree that the Catholic Church is the rule that to be a priest, you have to be celibate, clearly is not a fan. I don't think it's a natural way to live. And I think it's one of the problems facing the Catholic Church. I'm not saying that sexual abuse doesn't go on in many institutions, many, including the Church of England, including the Jewish religion, many religions where celibacy is not the norm. But the, ca- the numbers in the Catholic Church are just overwhelming to me. Carolyn doesn't agree that the two are connected. She's suggesting that men who are celibate have some sort of excuse for sexual assault. Well, of course we don't think that. But by for so many years being forced to lead what is now just an unnatural life to me is not an ideal way to live. And it must be one of the reasons these terrible abuses happen. It is no excuse, Carolyn. I absolutely agree. She says she doesn't understand or has never made the connection. Well, I I don't agree with you, Carolyn, but I do appreciate your thoughts and they were very well made. I love it when people uh, throw big brickbats and bouquets at us, Carol. It's always good to have the conversation rumbling along. We do have a lovely, poignant one today from Patricia Matthews and she sent us this message via our Facebook page. Carol and Corrie, I'm a regular listener and I was listening to episode 70 about a week after my lovely mother died and I heard you discussing Elizabeth Jane Howard's The Cazalet Chronicles. I thought it, it sounded good for my current state. A month later, I have now finished the fifth and final novel and wanted to thank you for the recommendation. Transporting myself to their time and their world with such absorbing characters was perfect. What a pity there aren't more. Patricia, thank you for the feedback on the Cazalet Chronicles. And, and, and Patricia actually had not read them before, unlike you, who <laughs> thought, thought I never... had. <laughs> I've been lying all these years. But, Caro, I, I must say that uh, when we are in a state of grief, two things happen. You either your concentration level is way down and to read a book at that particular time in your life is difficult. Or conversely, and a lot of my customers say this to me all the time, they immerse themselves in book reading because it's an escape and it does take their mind off uh, sadder issues, which is obviously what's happened in Patricia's case. So thanks for that beautiful email. And then there was another lovely one from Fiona Field who said, just wanted to say how much I love your podcast. Thank you very much for being so generous and sharing so much of your lives with we potties. Um, and she said, <laughs> says, I hope the wedding went well, Corrie. Weddings are such fun and such joyful occasions and a great reminder about all the good things in life. I agree, Fiona. I agree. I had the best weekend I think I have had, well, really, probably since Francesca's wedding a couple of years ago. It was such a great week. And there are a couple of things, Caro, I just wanted to say about... 
I'm accompanying oh, your I'm comment. Impressed. I, I brought home. Well, we were all given a tambourine, which was one of the great touches at the Lib wedding. Lib and Will, how brilliant are you two? With a beautiful, to think draw, of, beautiful painting. Of, to think of having tambourines sent from China, they are the most perfect. Didn't they create a hit at the wedding? Well, it, it, it's got the church and the pathway and a, a mini sort of childish map of the beautiful family home where the wedding was held outside of Hamilton the in Western Victoria. It's absolutely beautiful and it's got the wedding date, so I'll treasure it forever. The other, you'll have to talk, but uh, another highlight for me was musical and it was the bagpipes in the church. I just thought in the beautiful old Hamilton Church of England bluestone building, when the doors slammed shut after the bridal party had come in and then before Lib, the bride, came in, was that beautiful bagpiper. I just thought that was spectacular. And the whole building sort of shudders, doesn't oh, it? It's something about a bagpiper. I was expecting the babies, the little flower girls, one of them being my one. Well, two, actually, Willow and Harriet. I thought well, Willow was sort of a burst into tears, cameo, but yeah. <laughs> Harriet was yeah, a flower that's right. girl. I thought they might all scream their heads off, but they were all incredibly well behaved. Caro, look, this is... Th- I just have to say to anyone who is uh, planning or in the future a family wedding is on the horizon and how blessed and lucky we all are if that occurs or even some sort of gathering where people, a, a couple will come together and just commit to one another. It doesn't have to be a religious ceremony or anything. My big tip here is try and make it a week-long event. Try and actually have your children come home if they're living not at as home. As you did. As exact, you did make it a week-long I event. I did. I did as make it. As you've now done twice. Yeah, and Will, and Will spent the weekend before his wedding living with us and then we all took the, road, the show, put the show on the road and went up to Hamilton and we were very lucky that it was an away wedding because I think that does sort of force you all together. But it is such a privilege to spend a few days mucking in together, getting, you know, marquees and tents and things ready with bridesmaids and groomsmen, getting to know everybody. The country folk were amazing. On Friday before the wedding, Jen and Tim had 35 good friends local farming community and of course bridesmaids groomsmen and all of us 35 people there working getting things ready and jen and tim's lovely friends came at midday with tea urns cups of tea and coffee lunch sandwiches homemade sausage rolls homemade date loaf with butter on it caro it's a wonder any of us could fit into our dresses i just wanted to thank the food over the two-day event that i attended was the best i've eaten at any function and my only other comment about the place was there was something about the twilight in western victoria on a river under gum trees that you don't get on the coast you don't get in spring it's that gold light isn't it it? was it was reflected i think from the dry paddocks which which really themselves i know everybody needs rain I, and I'm not uh, denying the, the significance well, of the drought. It, it rained on the day of the recovery, which was very well-timed, I but, thought. But there's something about those golden paddocks. I think that light is reflected. You're absolutely right. It's so beautiful. But I just wanted to say the joy of seeing your son marry the love of his life, there's nothing quite like it. And for a parent, the peace and sense of being blessed that descends on you after a wedding, you kind of realise your job is done, that your child has chosen a fabulous partner he's surrounded himself with remarkable friends which of all his choice and he's been welcomed into the arms of a beautiful family who treasure him just as you do there's just no better feeling so i even though on the family WhatsApp, even better than when they have a baby 
it's I think well then they then they are a unit and it's them and it's their journey and you just love the baby and it's an individual thing for me I do feel like I have been Will's primary carer for 30 years and now he has a new primary carer and the passing of the baton is is actually such a joyful one now on the family whatsapp this week everybody has been demented Coco check oh, I'm so sad no more parties you know everybody's been in a bit of a decline I must feel I have a huge sense of peace and and happiness and uh, I did have a scratchy throat from singing too much with the backup band but apart from that um, all good Caro so that's the wedding talk for today and um, thank you very much for being such an involved and fabulous uh, oh, godmother pleasure. of groom <laughs> my pleasure I and, loved every minute of and it and propping me up in the uh, mosh pit there as I was singing off key now Caro I, there's, there are a lot of news stories since we both met uh, a couple of weeks ago um, at on Don't Shoot the Messenger and I just wanted to do a really sort of absolute quick thing because I'm fascinated and so I'm going to call where do you stand on where do you stand on George Pell's sentencing this week I thought it was light if he's guilty of what he's been found guilty of when you think about that poor bloke with the truck on the bridge who got five years for what essentially was irresponsible but an accident it's actually not that long so the five-week trial in the county court the jury found Pell guilty of sexually abusing the two choir boys at St Patrick's Cathedral in 1996 and he was uh, sentenced by Chief Judge Peter Kidd to six years in jail with a non-parole period of three years and eight months. I think Peter Kidd argued it very well, Carol. I don't know whether you saw it. I watched the entire I did. hour. I, did. I was riveted. Apparently well, ratings went through the roof. Well, most unusual, most unusual and, cl- and clearly a, a different sort of case, but I just think that I don't think it's that long. I thought he argued the case well, given given George Pell's age, given the uh, impact this has had on obviously his career, his life, his character, everything else. Uh, you know, probably for me it was fair. But what I really did appreciate about this trial was that the county court and probably the powers that be being the Victorian government decided that this one would be televised and that people needed to hear Peter Kidd explain not just to the court, not just to uh, both legal teams, but also to George Pell and the wider community what was involved in this case and this sentence. But you must agree there's an inequity between oh, yes, a guy in a truck and, and someone who has abused their power to this extent. I, I, I just, to me... Taking into account age and the impact on your career, I think is a bit is a bit lame. But there you are, Corrie. Okay, and the other just quick thing to say, Caro, is to Andrew Bolt, Miranda Devine, and all of those commentators who who say that uh, that this was some sort of miscarriage of justice or whatever they are arguing. I just have to say that none of you. No one other than the jury, the legal teams and the judge heard the evidence of the victim known as Jay. The other victim, of course, known as R, died following a heroin heroin overdose in 2014. We do not know what he said. These people do. So to all the commentators, you know, let's let's just let it drop you in there. Now, Cara, what do you think of the Reserve Bank weighing in on climate change? Sign of the times, Corrie. It's clearly going to be an election issue and never have we had a more demonstrative summer to illustrate that clearly everybody realises now that climate change is very important and it's real. Agree. And and the Reserve Bank is right behind it saying that this is a big economic crisis that we have to address. 
Theresa May, can she survive? Where do you stand on that one, Caro? Well, I, I'm, I can't help but be swayed. Maybe people will accuse me of sexism here, but every time I look at Theresa May, and I know she's not perfect, and I know she's failed to deliver, and I know she's been very weakened, but I see a woman who didn't want Brexit, who campaigned against it, who was left to pick up the pieces and has been let down at every turn. And maybe it's a woman thing, I don't know, but... I just cannot see why they don't have the vote again. I'm amazed that they didn't realise. They have to go back to the public. They can't, they can't have a referendum again. Oh, well, I that's, think they that's have That's what to. the Times were saying this morning because don't there are agree. too many Tories who do not agree. They won't be able to get the vote over the line. Look, I reckon as, they would. As you know, I have been a bit of a fan of Theresa May's, Theresa May's stoicism and her determination, but I think in the last few weeks she has really stuffed this up strategically and I agree with Ian Dunt, who is the editor of Politics.com, co.uk who was on Late Night Live with Philip Adams this week he just said she is a debacle now, this has gone beyond a joke and he said her strategic failure has been equal only to her moral failure. Uh, tend to agree if anybody wants to hear any more about that they can listen to via podcast, ABC podcast to Late well, Night Live Can I just refer you to Mark Kenny's very good and well executed argument as to why Britain needs to go back to the public. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Well, I, I look, I do agree with you, but today on the Times podcast, they were saying it's very unlikely just because they won't get the numbers to get the referendum through. Another thing I want to know what, how you feel about rich American kids and their parents making illegal payments to get their kids into well, college. What do you think I feel? <laughs> the, what about the head of rowing who's been part of it and the sailing boss I who's know. gone along with it, the, the coach? Look, it's just And the Desperate Housewives actor Felicity Huffman. Talk about desperate. This is just a, a horrible sign of big money manipulating big institutions who I just have lost a lot of faith in. I mean, some of these colleges and some of the people who run these exams, how ambitious can you be? And what about all the poor kids who missed out on spots? No, I mean, it's a bit of a no-brainer, that one, Corrie. It's, uh, it is just absolutely appalling. And the other thing, of course, is it, to watch now, it came out today, that who's involved in the college admissions scandal? Who else, of course, but a member of Donald Trump's family? <laughs> uh, surprise, surprise. Jared Kushner got into Harvard and in 1990, 98, his father pledged $2.5 million to the school shortly before Jared, who wasn't the smartest kid on the block, I gather, uh, he was admitted. And his high school administrators actually say his application didn't meet the usual standards. So there you go. If you have money, you can get yourselves... Well, the good news is they're doing something about it. So glad. Now, Caro, AFL Grand Final, tell me where you stand on that one. Keep it in the day and stop diminishing the product cheapening the product by turning it into a debating tool year in, year out. I've written about this in my first column back this year. It is just a disgrace the way the AFL is... Why do they keep raising it so each year we talk about it? It's a diversion. They from used to, what? A diversion from what? Well, well in, in this case, some, it is referred to the three or four weeks leading into the AFL season when you don't have a Wayne Carey scandal or a Ben Cousins scandal some media people used to refer to it as Death Valley because there's just no stories. And the stories this year have been AFL salaries and why they're, why they're so much. There's been um, illicit drugs policy and there's been new rules. And they're all non-story. They're, really, they're not big stories. So it's a good headline grabber, Corrie. And, you know, to hear Gillan McLaughlin at the AFL launch this week at the Melbourne Town Hall do this dramatic build-up and big announcement when the Commission had decided in February 
there was going to be another day grand final is to me softening up the public for inevitable change while creating a headline or two in the Why meantime. Why do they want a twilight grand final? Is it Cast just because of television? Sydney and um, New South Wales and Queensland, more numbers. Oh, Grow God the game sake. up there. They've already put millions and billions into, you know, GWS and the Gold Coast and abandoned Tasmania. And now they're saying this is another way. If you keep throwing away every t- tradition, Corrie, they're lost forever. That's very true, Caroline. So and what about... Cast uh, your mind back to the last three grand finals. What was wrong with them? Nothing. They were perfect. Last year was unbelievable. The year before, Richmond, Adelaide, unbelievable. The year before that, Bulldog, Sydney, six different clubs, three amazing results and I games. just don't understand it. Why didn't the story of the last week become something more important, like, for example, Gil McLaughlin's uh, salary and why it's not available to the public? It's a lack of transparency about head office now that um, they say that his chairman made the call that what's the point? It's just going to be another debating point. But they've also no longer releasing the illicit drugs numbers among AFL players. So you just can't help but feel that our ownership of the game that we all feel as supporters is somehow is somehow lessened as well when less but and is less it a is public entity or a private entity? Well, it's a non. The AFL is a non for profit, isn't it? I mean they're. The AFL CEO's wage was always a matter of public consumption. Andrew Dimitriou had no issue with it, I don't think, and neither did Ross Oakley, but obviously Gillen does. Caro, where do you stand on Mike Sheehan leaving Sam Newman's podcast? <laughs> this only popped up in my feed the other day, and I, I don't know a thing about it. Can you please explain? I know they were doing a footy podcast, like a grumpy old men's kind of podcast thing. Well, well, um, I refer you to my comments on Sports Day on 3AW, which I made about 10 days ago. We're going to listen to them now. Sam Newman was an icon of the game as a player and for some years in the media, but he stopped being an icon a long time ago. He is so sadly out of touch, as he has shown so many times when football rules are discussed, when anything to do with that community is discussed, when homosexuality is discussed, when uh, racism is discussed. I mean, it's just, it. I don't, and the Essendon drug scandal and his attitude towards Stephen Dank was just embarrassing. I mean, it would have been so difficult for people like Damien Barrett, good journos, to work with him on the footy show and put up with the sort of tripe he came out with. I've, you know, Mike Sheehan knows my views about working with Sam. So, as I said, Mike has known my views for a long time. Bigger and more famous names than me have been saying to Mike for a long time to get off this podcast. It is not just Sam transitioning into a woman or sending up the transitioning that disgusted me, but, I mean, his total disrespect to people who are in so much pain who might suffer from issues of identity, his outing of a serious, very serious mental health issue that happened at a football club up north last year and almost turning that into a major story when it might have been a story about someone who attempted to take their own life, his lack of sensitivity and Mike's reputation... As a brilliant journalist, the all-time great of football reporting, an AFL life member, and going along with it was just crazy to me. Well, finally, I think the penny dropped, although Mike did admit that when he walked into the studio and saw Sam with the face stuff on, it didn't occur to him that the alarm bells didn't ring. 
people often say that. I mean, people have said that over the years with uh, other incidences where, for example, when they talked about the ice baths thing with you in 2016, people in the studio... Or much worse, the the Barry Hall situation where people laughed on Triple M last year. They just don't quite know how to respond. And I just think, you know, we've got to get a grip. It's not that you have to be walking around being the politically correct guru of all time, but there just should be some sort of innate alarm bell as you say that goes off and the difficulty of podcasts of course is that there aren't checks and balances there aren't editors as there are necessarily uh, or they're not as vigilant as they are on television or in newspapers so well, I, Sam I think gets away with murder Mike, Mike enjoyed talking about footy and chewing the fat with Sam and Grant Thomas but it's interesting that now he's gone the podcast is gone there you go maybe we could invite Mike to come and be an occasional guest during the football season oh he was a brilliant guest last time and interestingly interestingly though we're gonna, it's going to be interesting to see where Sam bobs up on Channel 9 I'm told he won't be on the New Look Footy Show which debuts next Wednesday um, hosted by by Limo, and also, oh, who's that wonderful woman presenter who's um, co-hosting? Anyway, um, Dylan Alcott's going to be on the show. Brendan Favola's going to be on the show. It's going oh, to be... that's a highlight. Sam, <laughs> I reckon we'll see Sam on the Sunday footy show, but oh. where they're going to find a spot for him in a show that's always... Oh, interesting. Yeah. Who uh, knows? Now, could we just, before we go on to Les, I just want to briefly talk about Les Carline, but, but well, you do too, I know. The goal of the month, did you finish it? Did you walk the required amount of kilometres? Uh, okay, so, uh, well, let me just find my little figures here, but I just want to ask, uh, let me, as I find my figures of what I walked, can I just quickly ask you, did you achieve your goal? I think we all know the answer to that. Well, I bought a pale pink raincoat, you know that. Okay. I broke so, my, but. Your no shopping thing that you broke. So my walking challenge, everyone, I needed to get 122 kilometres or thereabouts under my belt in the month of February. I only clocked up 111. So I was 11 kilometres short of my goal. So, so we both Strictly failed. speaking, I failed. <laughs> Boy, those last four days of February, was I walking everywhere trying to get it up? But alas, my feet couldn't take it anymore. Well, guess what, Corrie? You're my inspiration because my goal for March, having also failed to complete the over night camp and backpack trek into Wilson's Prom because we were evacuated. Oh, that was your march. That was your march. Well, uh, I mean, I, what could I do? Goal, we were evacuated. It? You need a new goal. No, you're, uh, you're very understanding, Caro, that that goal is no longer achievable because otherwise you might have been faced with a bushfire. So go, what well, are you going to do? I'm going to do what you did in February. Oh, but go get your own challenge. No, but you know why? Because Melbourne, if you had to define Melbourne today, Melbourne, city under construction. Oh, and as, city with Grand Prix insanity. Oh, as someone who everywhere. has navigated Docklands, the city, South Melbourne, East Melbourne, North Melbourne, the western suburbs, the Westgate Bridge, pretty much every part of Melbourne over the last week, is there anywhere in Melbourne that is not under construction? I know my husband keeps telling me it's progress. There is no point driving anywhere at the moment. So our message to you, messengers, is walk. walk. Exactly. So, okay, so you're going to do the challenge of... Uh, what was your it were, well? It's you've got to base it on one thousand six hundred kilometres for the year. Divide that by three hundred sixty-five days, and then look at the number of days in the month. So thirty days have September, April, thirty-one days in March, Caro. Yeah. So you've got to do your time. So you're probably looking at maybe three point seven or something. Not that I'm that great at maths, but would, that would be what you were doing well, for per this, day. For this month, I've I've only averaged seven thousand steps a day. Don't do steps. Do kilometres. Okay. So so if you just punch in while I'm filling in for you and talk about Les. Um, just punch in 1,600 kilometres divided by 365 and then whatever that is, then 
multiply that well, by I'm already 31. doing that. So I'm going to do more. Good. Okay, good. Well, we'll get ready for our walk in June. Now, I just wanted to say on Les Carline, many, many words have been written about this eminent Australian editor, journalist and book author. And I don't want to weigh into the mix because people who are far more eloquent than I have said things. There are two things I want to say. On the night that my father died suddenly of a heart attack in 1975, he had three assistant editors of which Les Carline was one. On that night, Ranald MacDonald, who was then Managing Director of The Age, came to our house in the middle of the night, family in shock. Undertaker had just been. It was a very traumatic few hours. But someone raised the issue of who's going to edit The Age. And I remember my mother and I said, we were only talking about this with Dad a week or two ago, and he says that Les, he said that Les Carline was the most able, creative and talented young editor he reckoned he'd ever seen. Les was then appointed by Reynolds the next day as the editor and to Les's credit, he was the captain of a ship that was very shaky. They'd lost their great leader. Everybody was in shock. I'll remind you, Caro, this was November 1975, so Australian politics and the Whitlam government was imploding. There were so many stories and Les worked his guts off to keep that place together. I have the utmost admiration. The second thing I want to say about him as, as a bookseller, to sell Les Carline's books is to sell works of art. They continue to sell, and particularly, not only his racing books, but particularly his war, World War I books, Gallipoli and The Great War. They are masterpieces, and forevermore generations will enjoy him. Farley Les. He sort of reshaped Gallipoli, didn't he, in the Australian psyche? He did. He got us rethinking about it. It's, a, it's an absolutely brilliant book. He gave me some really important career advice when I came back from living in London in the mid-'80s. He said I shouldn't I, – I, all I wanted to be was a tennis and golf rider of the Herald because it was such a prestigious job, and I'd been covering, you know, Wimbledon's and, you get, and, and British Opens. And you got to Opens hang out with your and, boyfriend, Sevi Ballesteros. Well <laughs> – Anyway, Sorry, he said, no, you're better. you should be doing this. You should be riding across all sports. And he had mounted the argument. He was editor-in-chief of the Herald in the time. I didn't take his advice, and it was probably the one really bad career move I've ever made in a general term. <laughs> and when I was fortunate enough to win the award named after your beautiful dad, the Graham Perkin Award, he rang me the next morning. And um, although my voice wasn't great, I remember him saying a lot of things. But at the end, he said, but, Carol, in the end, what you need to know no, look down that list. There were no duds on that list. So true, Carol. You, you are very privileged. So it was... So true. It was well, your of, talent got you there. It was a privilege, but you tell... You tell but it was such a lovely thing to say, and it's, it's so such a lovely Liz, thing. wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. It totally is. He just had a way of just bringing it down to just one great line, and um, forever to be missed, and uh, I So did, as good as an editor as he was, and particularly at that time, it was his writing that... Yeah. And remember, he taught you and I... At uh, feature writing at RMIT. First went into How journalism. privileged were, he, were we? I know. When you think about it, God, those we never wagged those classes. Carol. No, he was fantastic. <laughs> no, he was a great lecturer. Okay, so I have a crush, and you're going to introduce it. Because, Corrie, your crush this week is thanks to the interchange bench. I think about the AFLW, the Women's League, when I think about the interchange bench, because so many women are being asked to dedicate 
three or four months to a sport which is not professional but they're getting a little bit of money and in some cases a lot, in some cases no recognition. And they have to stop work, I guess. They have to stop work and then they have to go back to work. Now, this is the type of situation where the interchange bench is absolutely perfect. So if someone you know needs first-class temporary or contract talent, make sure you contact them. That's the interchange bench. They can assist with any professional-level role in any industry or sector. Just don't think admin and receptionists. No, engineers, they, They're sponsoring Crush of the Week, Corrie, and it's yours this week. It is mine, Cara. So to all of those people in country Victoria, in Hamilton, and you know who you are, the men and women, but all men and women who live in country communities who give so willingly and happily to their, to their neighbours in times of joy and also in times of crisis, or in our case, joy and when the neighbours are up against a deadline, I thank you and I take my hat off to you and I applaud. Why doesn't this happen in the city, Caro? You know, I saw this country spirit alive and well when I was writing about the drought back in the early 2000s and I saw it again, of course, while covering the Black Saturday fires 10 years ago and I saw it last week at the farm when we were trying to get Jen and Tim's newly renovated farm up and running and ready for the big outdoor wedding. Thank you to everyone who dug and lugged and excavated and planted and cooked and cleaned and swept, made cups of tea, who loaned things to us Also, our kids could have the wedding of their dreams. So my new country family, um, I'm sure we'll have a chance to repay these acts of kindness as the years go on. I won't because I live in the city, but I just wanted to say that um, I am hugely, hugely grateful for your generosity and I hope one day I can repay it. I'm not sure how, but maybe we need to go to Hamilton and do a bit of a podcast up there and maybe we could even raise some money for a local... I'm part of your thanks, am I? (laughs) Thank you, Caro, for being you. Yeah, I reckon you've got. I reckon you've got to do the payback too. You had a good time on the weekend. Well, uh, uh, it's a lovely. <laughs> but and you love all, you love all the country folk oh, I still, too. Still but it's regret not, just, not trying that sponge cake. God, it looked amazing. <laughs> but it's not just Hamilton. It's all of. It's all country regions. They just have a capacity to just get on with it and show their friendship in ways that are pragmatic and fabulous. Well, the only thing I'll say is, and it's a very worthy crush, that I think when hardship befalls anyone in the city too, I think we have a wonderful network of friends who rally too. I mean, I have seen it happen within the constraints of, um, you know, I map do, 50 I, yes. to 70. I do agree with you there. BSF, Caro, you have a book. Look, I've just... Which I've, I've actually read, but I'm going to let you talk about well, it. Oh, well, look, I won't talk about it for very long. It's a lovely light read. It's by Graham Norton of Graham Norton Show fame. I think the new footy show's having a bit of a... Hoping to have a bit of a Graham Norton feel about it. Really? Allegedly. Anyway. I love the Graham um, Norton show. I think he's a fabulous interviewer. Well, he's a novelist. He's written two novels, and I've only read the second one. It's called The Keeper. It's a family saga a rather tragic family saga set in Ireland and also in New York. And I actually read it over the in the days leading up to the wedding, um, partly on the drive, because as you know, I didn't get I don't get car sick. I read I a bit still of it don't in, know how you do that, Caro. I read it a bit in the car, I read it back in the hotel in Hamilton, I read it on the way home, I read it in the morning, um, when I was, you know, getting ready for Will's wedding. No, I look I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a, a very poignant story. I wouldn't say it's an award winner, but Graham Norton writes a good novel. It's actually called A Keeper and his first novel, Holding, uh, came out last year. It's shock and amazement from everybody because they didn't know that Graham could write in such a way and he actually won an 
an Irish Literary Award for that book. And A Keeper is quite sinister and dark, I agree, uh, but it is enjoyable. And I was quite surprised that Anna from the op shop said to me how much she loved it because I read it last year a, a bit as a, you know easy read. And Anna is quite literary, as we know, and um, she made me rethink about this book, but it, is, it gets a bit scary and weird in some It does places. get scary and weird, but it's, um, it's ultimately... But we're mother-in-laws. I mean, having just become a new mother-in-law again, it's not good PR for us, can I tell you? It's a shocking, shocking PR for mothers-in-law, but it's a really enjoyable read and the crescendo of the drama and the characterisations I thought were really good and it wasn't over-romanticised. And it does capture the Irish village life so well, doesn't it? Oh, I know. There's always that thing of the, the expat, if you like, in this case, the woman who's the young, or the girl, she's not young anymore, but the daughter who goes off to live in America and comes back to the Irish town. She's so sophisticated because she lives in New York, but she realises there is something special about, and a bit weird, about country life. Um, Caro Screen, you've been watching lots of things. All I can say, I, I haven't watched anything except Vera. New which series. So, so Isn't it fantastic? So I just have to say a little shout out to Vera. Sunday nights, ABC, 8.30. Uh, I, I love that show. I do. It just makes something like Midsummer Murders look like, you know, Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It's so good. So do I, Pet. And I love the way that pet. they always – there's How always are a – you, Pet? There's always yeah, a turn. Good, uh, there's always a twist. I better work on my Vera impersonation. I did it the other day and somebody said, oh, my God, you sound so much like her. I have to channel it. Well, yes, I was, go I was on. a what little bit watching? naughty, but when Brendan was out the other night, um, I worked out how to sign up to Amazon – I'm on a 30-day free trial, so I, I've I, and I will leave it. I hope not Amazon Books. I hope you mean Screen. No, it's a Screen thing. Okay, and good. there's a show on it that our dear friend Joe, the slave, the friend, the nanny, the housekeeper, the chef extraordinaire, but the friend among all family friend said I had to watch. It's called The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It's Fantastic. I've heard about this. It's about a woman who gets married in New York in the late 50s, early 60s. The personification of Jewish New York life in that time. Um, her father-in-law is a frock maker and runs this sort of, you know, warehouse full of Jewish workers. And her father is a university lecturer at uh, Colum- Columbia. Columbia. She marries a guy... He, he has an ambition of being a stand-up comedian. She's the strength in the marriage. She gets up every night after he falls asleep and puts her hair in curlers and her face pack on. She wakes up before he wakes up to put her makeup on in the morning and take her hair out of the curlers. A good 50s housewife would do that, Cara. Towards the end of the first series, she gets a shock. I know you do it for Brendan every day. Sorry. That's it. She gets a shock about her marriage. <gasps> and it's what happens. I can uh, look. It is absolutely cross-dressing husband. No, tell me. Oh, that would be fine. No, it's much worse than that. Anyway, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon. Do you know who plays her? Is it a well-known actor? I don't want to put you on the spot. I've never actually seen her before, but I'll come back to you. But we can only watch that through Amazon. Yes, and if you and a, a good light one if you're on Netflix at the moment is Derry Girls, a hysterical comedy again set. I think it's sort of set in the seventies in London, Derry, about a group of bratty schoolgirls and their completely wacko families under the guard of you know British soldiers wandering around the streets. It is the funniest show. So they're both absolutely brilliant. Derry Girls. Netflix and the marvellous Mrs. Maisel. Okay, we've noted that. And uh, Sunday nights on the ABC, Vera. Uh, the the actor actress is actually her name is Rachel Brosnan. 
She's fantastic and she's so don't know, gorgeous. But it's spelt in an Irish way, so maybe she's got it. Anyway, I don't know what her background is. Uh, okay, thanks for that. And your recipe. So you've just got completely BSF'd. I, I have to do some cooking and well, watching. Well, that's I can because you haven't been – you going. clearly haven't been cooking. And to be absolutely honest, neither have I. I mean, I did make bolognese the other night, but my darling Clementine – Oh, my well, darling you, Clementine, the cook – what would this podcast be without Clem's recipes? Well, while you and I, Corey – we're just parting away. Your, you're having having your prawn parcels and my. <laughs> what are they called? Prawn packages. Pillows. Prawn, pillows. Pillows. <laughs> Clem entertained. Um, he had a. Uh, I think he he had a, a few girls around for dinner the other night, and she made the Matt Wilkinson slow cooked lamb. It was a it was a recipe that was up on the Woolworths website. But Matt Wilkinson is a guy who's got that fabulous salad yeah. book. Yes, and also he owned uh, Pope Joan, or maybe he still does. Not Probably. Sure about that. Don't know. It's a slow cooked lamb recipe with your favourite, Corrie, a salsa verde. There's only a few ingredients, and Miss Jane is going to put it up on the show notes, but it's half a bunch each of um, parsley and mint, a bunch of tarragon, two anchovy fillets, a, t- a tablespoon of capers rinsed, and juice of lemon, a garlic, clove, and olive oil. That's the salsa verde. You make that. That's, the good. Lamb, That's a yummy recipe, that one. You cover, you get a, a boneless butterflied lamb shoulder. And the beauty of this recipe is that it sort of goes all crispy and beautiful on the top. Unlike the, as much as I love Stephanie's slow cooked lamb, that's for about seven hours on a 120 oven. This is, you preheat the oven to 200. It's had the salsa verde or half of it marinating the night before. The day, the day of the day, you preheat the oven for 200, bring the lamb to room temperature, put it in the roasting pan so with salt. So you don't salt. scrape the salsa verde off? No, no, so you leave it on, it on, I think. Okay, so that, that must be the nice crispy coating then. Yeah, you do. You leave it on. So you roast it for an hour, one hour. Then you put a small oven-proof bowl of water into the base of the oven to create steam. That'll prevent burning of the lamb. You roast it for another three and a half hours at on, 150. On temp- oh, okay. And then you take it out and leave it for 20 minutes. That seems like a lot of cooking. So the first hour is on 200. 200. Wouldn't it be cooked then? It's 1.8 kilos of lamb. Clementine assures me he followed this recipe to the letter and it was absolutely delicious and the photos did look amazing. Then another three and a half hours on 150. Then you leave it for 20 minutes, covered in foil. Then you um, basically carve the lamb and drizzle over the rest of the salsa verde because you've only cooked it in half of it and you serve it. What a winner. She did it with Annabelle Crabbe's aforementioned glass (laughs) potatoes. I don't know how she managed it with the not hot oven, but I... I suspect he used my mum's oven as well. Oh, don't tell Julia that. So that is Matt Wilkinson's slow-cooked lamb, courtesy of Clementine. Corrie, what are you grumpy about today? Big trucks on the Geelong Road, Caro. <laughs> and the drivers who menace you if you're in the far lane, or any lane really, and if you're sitting on 98, which after two years with this newish car, Will the other day <laughs> just cracked it and said, I'm going to teach, I have to teach you how to do autopilot. Don't you know how to do it? I said, I didn't even know my car had it. So now I can sit on 98. How dare these trucks? How dare you drive so close to my bumper bar? 
so that your metal grill on the front of your truck not only blocks out my view, blocks out the sunshine, Caro. I'm demented. I went from one lane to the other thinking, what lane should I be in? And these trucks, mid, midday, right, midday, so they've got to get somewhere before close of business. So, they, I mean, where are the speedometer? Where are the cameras? Where's the, They're all doing 120, and they come straight up behind you. God knows if I had a sneezing attack and had to stick my foot on the brake, what would happen? Well, I think the Geelong road needs to be 110. Well, really Matthew do. Guy wanted to introduce that, didn't he, in his election platform? Anyway, I'm so pissed off with those drivers. Learn how to drive, for God's sake. There you go. That's okay. what I'm grumpy about. Corrie is very grumpy about one thing, but not very much else. Corrie, before we go, I think we'd better do six quick questions. I'll open the batting. The Queen turns 93 next month. I know you love my little royal escapades. I couldn't resist this one. No, I like it. Last week she did something she's never done before. She must have been listening to Don't Shoot the Messenger. What was it, Corrie? This was her, this was her much, her much um, thing that she was going to do. Um, the Queen published her first post on Instagram last Thursday during a visit to London Science Museum. She didn't opt for a selfie, Caro. Not like he's the queen with the director of the museum, hi, or nothing like that. She actually took a photograph of a letter that her forebear, Prince Albert, wrote to the Science Museum, actually to Charles Babbage, who we all know was the 19th century mathematician who effectively invented the computer. Um, But Queen Victoria's husband, Prince Albert, received this letter. uh, Oh, no, sorry, he sent the letter to Charles Babbage and... The Queen took a photograph of it, and that's what she posted. And after her little message, she signed it. You know what she signed it? What? Elizabeth R. Gee, the account, the on account, Instagram. The account, which is at the Royal Family. That's what it's called, the official one. Uh, it has 4.6 million followers and now 4.6 million and one because I joined up. I thought that was so good of her to get with the uh, get with the program. Even the Queen is not immune to Carol, social media. there was media. a bit of Bob Dylan at the wedding on the weekend. Uh, Lib's, one of Lib's favourite artists. What's your favourite Bob Dylan song? Don't think twice, it's all right, Corrie. I just, I, I was going to say knocking Go on, on heaven's sing door. It, honey. No, I'm not going to sing. You I know could, I can't but I sing. Can't, I haven't recovered from my shadoop what voice. Go on, it's just sing. No, a few I'm not going to. I, I love I, it when you sing. I just think like when the way it starts off, it ain't no use just to sit and wonder why, babe. I mean, it is just such a beautiful ode to lost love. I think it's the most wonderful song. We might play a little bit of that. Even right though, now. even though I love knocking on heaven's door, Corrie, what's your what's your autumn fashion tip? Because I know you love autumn. I do love autumn. It's probably my favourite uh, season in Melbourne. Layers, Caro. Layers, layers. and layers. Well, oh, because, really? you know, well, layers are expensive. No, they don't have to be, Caro. This weather is peculiar. For example, this morning was freezing and by lunchtime apparently it's going to be 22 with the sun out. So you have to be prepared. So you just have a T-shirt, a cardi or a sweater. Take a coat with you. Just have layers. The other thing is embrace colour because you're going to be in black and navy for a very long bloody time, I can tell you that. So while we've got the sunshine out, embrace colour. Bit of orange is really good this year. Scarlet, emerald green, which would look so lovely with your beautiful eyes. Soft pink is very in there. Aren't we full of the joie de de vivre? I know. (laughs) Wedding glow. Wedding glow. Now, Trini of Trini and Susanna fame, Trini Woodall, she says neon if you're brave. And she does on her most fabulous Instagram account, which is called Trini Woodall, which has 422,000 followers. 
Uh, she does a lot of things with um, because they're going into spring. A lot of things with neon at the moment. Fabulous colours if you've got the right colouring, which you do. And I have to say with me, with a blonde complexion, I do not do neons at all. But if you've got darker hair or black hair or something, perfect. The other thing, Carol, I would suggest as an autumn fashion tip, keep the boots on hold like black. You're going to be in them for a long time. Yes, so, I know. So go I did look at them the other day. Not and yet, I went, not yet. No. no boots until the end of April. I would suggest sneakers are good or a loafer. Or dare I say, plug for Lib and Will's business, the Bertie Slipper. I've actually got a pair of loafers that I've found on sale that I might have bought the other day. In but February? No, 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 March. Oh, it's a March purchase. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that loafers are still in and those slippers are, Bertie slippers are beautiful. Yes, so that's what I would be uh, saying. But I, as I said, layers is the go. Now, uh, in the age, your colleagues this week gave their final eight AFL predictions, but you weren't there. You were on holiday. Well, no, I don't. Or rest do, period. I, I just do tips. Okay. Um, so, what are, can you just I don't tell agree us your final with eight? I don't agree with any of them, by the way. <laughs> and before I do my final eight, can I just apologise to Neralee Meadows, who is the presenter, reporter, journo commentator oh, the, the extraordinaire, lady whose name you forgot who before. is going to be the new co-host? How of, did you forget? I know. I'm because it's poor Neralee. She's already written in. She's in tears. She says we don't not know. Who I'm, is that? Caroline, whatever I'm her name is. I'm a big Neroly Meadows fan. In fact, I've even... She hates you now. I've even had, no, I've even had a coffee with her and given her <laughs> career advice. I, well, guess stage, what? She's got a little voodoo doll of you in her purse. She won't mind. It, it's only given her more of a plug, and, I, and good luck to her. Now, my final eight, and look, I was going to say not necessarily in this order, but I hope it is this order. Oh, don't say Richmond first. I'll vomit. Richmond. Oh, bloody hell. Melbourne. Adelaide. Richmond, Melbourne, Adelaide... West Coast. H. Starts with an H. West Coast. Oh. North Melbourne. We're a happy team at Hawks. Port Adelaide. We're the mighty fighting Hawks. Collingwood. Oh, my God. I've already said North Melbourne, haven't That's I? That's H, I think, isn't it? Yes, it is. Have one I got more. one left? One more. Oh, come on, Carrie, you can do it. Look, G- oh, GWS, sorry. Oh, my God. G- definitely GWS. Where's Hawthorne? No Hawthorne, no Geelong no and no Sydney. Controversial. Look, you know. Jane, I reckon, because we're going to do our footy tipping again this year, can I do my eight next week? I have to seriously And Jane, can I it. just replace, swap North Melbourne with GWS? Oh, boo. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> North Melbourne will make the eight. Jane's but they'll writing be furiously, rubbing things Did out. I, have, I think I had North Melbourne fifth. I want GWS Okay, take fifth. it offline, Cara. We'll, we'll repeat it next week and I'll give mine. And then I think we should have a competition. And I think Jane should... It wasn't bad for off the top. I must... <laughs> So I sent you these notes. I warned you we no, were doing this I know. yesterday. No, I know. No, no, no. That um, is my age. But um, Miss Jane should be in it as well. And I think we should have a little competition that the losers by the person who is most close with the num- with those. I'll have to work out how we do that. We'll buy. What can we buy? What can we buy? Lunch. Okay. A lunch. A lunch at a pub. How about that? Perfect. Okay. Um, and potties can come too if they want. Now, before okay. we go, Corrie. No, I've got one more. You've got to ask me what's my most anticipated oh, book well, this Well, that month? was what I was about okay. to say sorry, to you. Sorry. What's your most anticipated book this month? Guess what's coming out at the end of the year, at the end of the month, we think, Caro. The Washington Post with Scribner, the publishers, are bringing out the Mueller Report which means they must already know that Bob Mueller in the US is about to deliver his report into whether Trump has 
has worked with the Russians to gain power in 2016. This I can't wait for this. I've really? ordered about 20. I might have gone in about a bit too hard. Sorry, I'm, I won't I'm hoping be. I'm hoping people will share my interest in this. Anyway, if you can't find it anywhere in Melbourne, potties, you know what bookshops going to have it. Sounds a little bit dull to Very me, exciting. but fair enough. And you have a GLT. I do. Now, this is not exactly original for anyone who lives on the surf coast or anywhere on the Bellarine Peninsula. But for the first time, I finally went and visited Captain Moonlight the other day. It's, a, it's in Anglesey. It's a, um, it's a surf, it's the Anglesey Surf Club, which um, this wonderful couple looked around for ages all around the surf coast to open a new restaurant. They got permission to open up at the Surf Club Corrie. Speaking of slow-roasted lamb, well, if it was better, it, it, Clems would have to be good to be better than the one that we really? shared for lunch on Monday. In the rain, so the public holiday. So the cafe is in the surf club. Yep. And oh, so fair. there's a beautiful deck. There's a beautiful lookout tower. All the names of all all the you know past captains and stars of the surf club there's a beautiful old um you know um boat where old rescue boat with the old Anglesey logo on it and and you're just you're sitting in this surf club but there's an area for kids it was absolutely packed it's really hard to get into now it is such a beautiful restaurant but you went on a public holiday weekend so it might not always be packed I'm told um because Brendan's mum lived um Brendan as we know lost his dad late last year but whenever anyone goes and visits Brendan's mum they often end up at Captain Moonlight good tip I'm going to take her there next time Although I just it thought is it was GLT, wonderful so it's local but not Local for us, but local if you live on the well, surf coast. An hour sort and a half of isn't that far away from Melbourne, Collie. <laughs> um, Carol, it's lovely to be back here having a chat with you. I feel like we just, well, we did have an agenda, but I feel like there's so many more things we need to discuss. I know. I did, I did love your red dress at the wedding. Oh, actually, not red. What would we call it? Scarlet almost. Yeah, well, tomato. Quite on, quite on trend. I absolutely loved your blue dress. I thought it was beautiful. Oh, thanks. And, and you know, I love you too. Love you too. But it uh, didn't. No, it was. It everyone, great. thank you, messengers, for listening. And please tell your family and friends about us. And please subscribe because the more people who subscribe, I know it sounds weird, but the more people find us. And if you actually press the little stars and give us a rating, five would be fab. Then other people can find us too. We love your feedback, as you know. Any comments, any tips, suggestions, please send them to Don't Shoot the Messenger. Facebook page or you can whack it on our Instagram account. We're almost back up to the thousand. Not quite, but we're almost there. Um, and uh, yes, at Don't Shoot Pod. Um, Caro, I just realised I didn't tell you what my March thing was, but I'll tell you about that next week. I've just suddenly realised because I've, I received my idea on the Instagram account. So anyway, I will tell and you I, And I actually went and did codes trading training this year as we do every year before 3AW football starts. <laughs> And um, it's interesting what you can say about George Pell in jail and what you can't say. I'll leave it at that. Um, Caro, also, before we finish, I do have this box to give you. I was given one as well. It A arrived, present. It arrived at the bookshop the other day. Would you like to just quickly open it? Because Please I, tell me it's not Mr Cobram back no, into it's, our No, lives. I thought it would. I thought it was Cobram, but it's such. It's not a big enough box to fit the olive oil. Oh, here's my the, Lord. Here's the note to you. It's almonds. There's the note to you. Oh, it's from our dear friend, Paul Thompson. Yes, correct. Heck Thompson, from who which runs company? Select Harvest. Select Harvest has sent you and oh, I nuts Oh, look at all galore. these nuts. Almond flakes. Oh. They're, all, they're lucky. Some of them are There's the lucky There's the afternoon brand. snack. Oh, this is wonderful. Look at the Thank pine you, nuts. Heck. So if you burn one lot, you can just dip into the box and get another. More Thank pi- you. pine nuts. Heck, they cost a fortune. Thank you very much uh, to... Heck select harvest. Har- yeah, select harvest. Oh, an almond meal. Yeah, Because, you know, handy. almond meal, you know, you can't keep it for years and years. And you, you and your famous 
Yes, orange. Yeah. Oh, yeah, with the weevils. No, yeah. not chocolate. Can we not talk about my weevils, please? I'm going to use this almond milk. I'm going to make something this weekend. Thanks, Heck. Thanks, Select Harvest. Yeah, That's thank a wonderful you, Select present. Harvest. It's a really lovely gift. And shout out to you. I'm just okay. I'm going to say very quickly. My March challenge is to make a sponge cake. Okay, oh, more on that next week. Just Don't, a lot of beating. No, That's if, all it takes. I've never made one. I have Haven't never made you? one. No, I've I've never oh, made one. Well, so, good. Bring it in. Anyway, I'm going to talk more about that next week. Um, don't forget, of course, that we are on Twitter and you can use the handle. I love the way I say that and I've got no idea what that means, at Don't Shoot Pod. And please email us, feedback at dontshootpod.com.au. And, and don't forget to subscribe to the book pod. This week's episode is Michael McGurr. It is indeed. And, Cara, we are very close to announcing the details of our next live podcast event. Uh, I finally got you over the line with that one because you are so shy in public. I know that you don't like a live event. The Royal Women's <laughs> Hospital, we're getting together with their Miracle Mums campaign, but we do want potties to save the date. It's going to be a breakfast and it'll be on April the 30th. Details to come. Thanks again for listening. Thank you to our show sponsor, The Interchange Bench. We love having you back on board. And thank you to Miss Jane, our producer. And Cara, what do we say? A very croaky, don't shoot the messenger. Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast is made possible by The Interchange Bench. The Interchange Bench provides first-class temporary and contract talent. So when you need to get your team back in the game, call on The Interchange Bench. They provide temporary staffing, executive contracting, casual workforce management and volume recruitment from finance, events, communications, digital to office support at all levels. Someone sick or resigned? Expanding the company. Interchangebench.com.au For talent so good, you'd wish you can keep them. Hi, this is Leanne Moriarty. Hi, I'm Anne Summers. I'm Jen Harper. Hello, this is Laura Tingle. Hi, I'm Marcus Suzak. I'm David Maher. Join me on The Book Pod. I hope you can join Corey Perkin and I on The Book Pod. And I think also people often completely underestimate if something is easy to read, they think that means it's easy to write and it's absolutely not. It's such a skill. Always, no matter how abstract the issue, you have to find the narrative and you have to find characters and around those you build the story. You know, some authors take a decade to write a book I would miss the meeting the readers. Subscribe to the book pod. Subscribe to the book pod. In your favourite podcast app. Wherever you listen to podcasts.